Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all of your support. At MyPillow, we not only have pillows, but we have hundreds of products, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We're offering the best gifts ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have this exclusive offer on the standard size MyPillows, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. We also have the queen size MyPillows, regularly $79.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. And we have the king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code RENEGADE or call 800-889-6817 to receive this exclusive offer. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live and you can join us here if you want, you can bring up whatever is on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, of course, it is Bonnie, Aria, and Ian. And I said all of that in a weird, random order for whatever reason. Coming up, apparently Matt Damon decided to make an idiot of himself in a commercial. I haven't well, actually seen it. That's what people are saying. And- well, it's... Thanks for covering for me there while we got our network connected, because I forgot about that part. People are saying Uh, it's pretty cringy. (laughs) Well, that's what they're saying, and I watched it earlier today. It is, uh, we're going to get into it. It's this new minute-long ad from Crypto.com, which is a... Okay, well, they're not the worst. I actually am a fan of uh, of what they do over there at uh, at crypto.com. Wish I could use their services these days, but uh, am prohibited <laughs> from know, doing man, that. I know, man. It's painful at times. But uh, anyway, we got uh, Bonnie joining us here shortly as well. The phones are open, 603-283-6160. And it is Bitcoin's 13th birthday, so happy teenage years uh, to uh, the Bitcoin cryptocurrency that kicked off this whole amazing thing. Does that mean this was the anniversary of the release of the white paper or the day the first the blocks first were mined? coins? Yeah, the first okay. um, actual. I thought like, the white paper was out. in December or something. No, that was it's October thirty first. Yeah, and Melania Trump talked about Bitcoin's block birthday today. Isn't Did that she? weird? She tweeted that. Huh? Well, she's, she's still kind of stupid. So, uh, but it's weird some... because Trump is against it. That doesn't mean his wife is, uh, know, is Trump against it. Trump is like so against crypto. Publicly, at least, well, he's against it. He was when he was president, right? He, I suspect he, he still is, but I don't know. Maybe he's changed his mind. I, I doubt it. I mean, he still wants to be president, so he uh, has to kind of align himself with the U.S. dollar. Yeah, he said that it's, a, it's bad for the U.S. dollar, and he does this whole national thing, nationalist thing, so I don't see him going back on yeah. it. I'm not sold on the idea that Trump actually wants to be president. 
I think he just wants to continue making money until he's old enough to to die or whatever it is that he intends to do. Well, he's old enough to die. He's a man he, in his uh, mid seventies at this point. Right. He just says. I think what Trump fears is being obsolete, being irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wants people to 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 love Trump. He yes. wants to be talked about. He wants to be. He wants to feel relevant for sure. And because of that, he'll probably run for president in twenty twenty four. I think, or at least attempt to win the Republican primary. Yeah, he's been talking about it ever since. I mean, he's. He's definitely got plans for that. I just don't think it's really what he wants. To be president again, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if you want to join us here, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. Uh, crypto.com. We'll, we'll talk about the uh, the crypto.com thing. Also, Bitcoin's birthday. There's other things in the news as well, including somebody got forced to eat some pizza uh, against their will. And it's a very weird story. Yeah, we can get into that. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff. COVID microchips. Uh, of course, you can bring up anything that's on your mind. Bitcoin at 13 years old. Uh, it started in 2009, January 3rd of 2009. And I don't think a lot of people figured out uh, that this thing was going to be a thing for quite a long time. For me, it was the Silk Road that really kind of made me realize that, okay, there's something to this Bitcoin thing. Uh, The Silk Road was the first underground drug marketplace, and it used Bitcoin back, you know, way back in the day before there was such a thing as Monero or a privacy coin. And, uh, And for me, that's when I realized, oh, this is a killer app. Bitcoin has a killer app, and it is the Silk Road. It is these underground drug marketplaces. I wasn't smart enough to actually go and buy some Bitcoin when I made that connection, but that is when I realized that, hmm, this has some serious potential. What year did you first hear about Bitcoin at all? Um, I think it was the end of 2010 when a guy called in to Free Talk Live to tell us about it, a listener from Australia, actually, Jeremy West, mm-hmm. called about Bitcoin. Now, I didn't remember that. I had to to hear about it later on. Mark apparently remembered that years later. Yeah, I have no idea when the first time I heard about Bitcoin was, but I do remember the first time I really experienced it and saw its relevance. And it wasn't Porkfest. No, it wasn't oh. the Silk Road. It was when one of my IT clients got hit with ransomware, oh. and I had to acquire Bitcoin in order to pay to for pay it. it. It was then that I they began- didn't have a backup. Right. Yeah, they did after that, but. <laughs> They, I was subcontracting for them, so it wasn't my responsibility. I was just gotcha. there to fix the problem. But that was the first time I ever had to actually deal with Bitcoin. I think I had heard about it by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, during, how, how many years ago was that? I, I don't remember. I remember the value of Bitcoin was about $500 per then. Wow. So it was a very long time So it's time 100x ago. almost Yes, since that time. It's incredible. And, and the ransom then was one Bitcoin, right? These... These companies that get hit now, they can't afford one Bitcoin. That's forty, fifty thousand dollars or whatever it is. Back then, one Bitcoin wasn't that big a deal. It was like a, a weak paycheck for most people. Yeah. So things change. But that was the first time I ever actually had to use Bitcoin or dive into it in any meaningful sense. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be interesting moving forward. I actually yeah. think I probably got that Bitcoin off of Mt. Gox, but I don't remember. Because that would have been the only thing that, that would have come up during Bitcoin that era. was the first Bitcoin exchange. Mt. Gox was the very first publicly accessible Bitcoin exchange. Right. And I think that would have been the only thing that really existed for that purpose in that era. But I don't recall because that was a very long time ago and the exact exchange that I used wasn't something that I wrote down or paid any attention to because right. I was new to the subject. I didn't know enough to know to pay attention to that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a fascinating subject. Of course, we talk a lot about it here on Free Talk Live. And if you do want to learn about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and cryptocurrency, get over to Bitcoin.com. 
which is where they've got all kinds of good information. You can just click on Get Started at the top of the page. Watch uh, the first introductory video. Watch more than one if you got time, because it is, is a really interesting topic. There's some really important ideas that you know you should get down, like decentralization, like why money should be decentralized. That's I, I would say probably the most important. I mean, just off the top of my head, of all the things that make Bitcoin different and that make it special, the decentralized aspect of it is a really key aspect, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, why should governments have almost unilateral control of your prosperity, your wealth, what you use to secure food for your family? That's dangerous. And the decentralization that cryptocurrencies allow mean that governments don't have to control that anymore, that no one must have control over your livelihoods, your wealth, your prosperity, everything that you need in order to survive. Governments don't have to control it. Yeah, the government now could say that they or at least the Federal Reserve technically own all the dollars that, mm-hmm. and we're just using them. But nobody can say that about cryptocurrency. That's a good point, Bonnie, because that is what a note is, technically. If you look at the uh, the dollars that you might have in your wallet, it says Federal Reserve note. Yeah, it's and like a promissory note, a isn't note it? A note evid- is evidence of debt. That's what note, notes are uh, in the money world. And so if you hold dollars, you just simply hold evidence of debt. <laughs> That's all that it really is. Which is how the system is set up, because the federal government doesn't actually create the USD. They create treasury bonds, which they then sell or they loan. They borrow U.S. dollars from the Federal Reserve and put up these treasury bonds as collateral, Something essentially. Like that. It's yeah. all very it's confusing very and unnecessary. And if you think that sounds unnecessary, well, don't worry. Bitcoin is a lot simpler to understand than whatever nonsense our government is up to. Yeah, whenever people say that cryptocurrency is so hard to understand, like my boss at work always mm-hmm. says it's way too complicated, she's too old, I just want to point out to them that they don't know everything about the uh, current system we use, probably. And you definitely don't learn that in school. Oh, hell no. They don't know anything about the current system. They don't know how treasury bonds and U.S. dollars work or what a federal fractional reserve system is. They don't know that. I barely have any kind of, like, just a basic level grasp on any of those topics. Well, they've made it as confusing as possible so that they can, you know, screw us over. And it's harder for us to say, oh, well, it's because they did this. Instead, we have to rattle off a bunch of complicated terms that the average person doesn't understand. Well, it's not just, of course, the United States government uh, gang that is printing out money. The uh, headline here from Reuters is Turkish inflation soars to 36 percent, which is the highest in their current uh, dictator's era. So they're looking at some pretty serious double-digit inflation numbers over there. Food and drink prices are up nearly 44% year-on-year. So the Turkish lira is having a real tough time, and, well, people are looking into alternatives to government monies. And this can happen in the United States. In fact, it is happening here. Just, you know, the official government numbers haven't hit 36% yet. They're still saying it's around... It's slightly less drastic here. Yeah, The number is 603-283-6160, but that can change. That's 603-283-6160. If you want to reflect on 13 years of Bitcoin, tell us your story. Feel free to join us here on Free Talk Live. Talk Live. Phones open here if you want to join us. 
603 283 That's 603-283-6160. We're just kind of talking about Bitcoin on its 13th birthday. Now, as you pointed out, Aria, the Bitcoin white paper came out on October 31st in 2008. That's just when Bitcoin's mom got pregnant, though. Bitcoin yeah. was born on January the 3rd. It's a good way to put it. January 3rd of 2009, which makes this its 13th Wait. That means Kyle Rittenhouse, Greta Thunberg, and Bitcoin all have the same birthday. Wow. Who knew? I know. Don't, you don't send the conspiracy theorists into overdrive, please. <laughs> Not this early in the show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you can, of course, join us. You can comment on uh, Bitcoin. We're just kind of talking about some of the things that make it un- unusual, make it unique. Uh, or made it unique. Now it's not really that <laughs> that unique. There are thousands well, of competitors. It's special still, but yeah, not it's, unique. It's still the first, and it will always have that. Um, but as far as its uniqueness, no. Anyone who wanted to could copy Bitcoin's code at any time. and uh, Make and Dogecoin. Then, and then make Dogecoin. Or make uh, Dash. Or make Litecoin. Or, you know, you fill in the blank. There's a ton of these things that have come out. Some of them have completely flopped they don't exist anymore. It's kind of interesting if you go and you look at uh, archive.org, which is the website that sort of archives the internet, basically. You can put in the website you want to look at. Like if you put in freetalklive.com, you can see what our site looked like 15 years ago to today. Dude, uh, how much space does that take up? I don't I know. know. I it's always un- think about that. It's unbelievable thinking about how much space that could take. They've got to have data centers that rival Google, man. Maybe I mean it's not a full archive of the web. It doesn't archive like all of the images and all of the videos, and so you'll get some of the okay. website content, just enough to kind of give you a feel for what it was like. Uh, but if you go back on like CoinMarketCap.com, these sites that listed the cryptos from back you know years and years ago, and you look at look at the top ten or the top fifty or whatever, you're going to see a bunch of coins that. They're, they're just not there anymore. No, I remember, I mean, back when I was looking into all of these altcoins, I hate that terminology, but mm-hmm. alternatives to Bitcoin, there were things like orange coin, there was a pot coin, there was a hemp coin, there was a can of coin. None of those exist anymore. Not not in any meaning. Sure, the blockchains are probably still, still out there. there somewhere, but yeah. I think orange coin's last transaction was in like 2016 or something. Oof. So, I mean, they're they're dead. For basically. all intents and purposes. Yeah. And but, there are thousands of coins that are that are dead like yeah. that. And at some point, some idiot put a lot of money into Orange Coin, and now it's gone forever. I'm just looking here at, at Pot Coin since you, <laughs> since you brought it up. I remember one guy locally being excited about that one. Dude, there were uh, so many. And there, was, there were so many people saying, oh, this is the real one. This is the one that's going to make a difference. The whole cannabis industry is going to use this Pot Coin. And I'm like, no. why wouldn't they just use Bitcoin? It's already there. I don't. Yeah, I was confused because I've never heard of any of these. What is the point of mixing like weed and crypto? It's just to market a, a, yeah. co- a, a coin. It's, to, like it's just to make some to money sell. and do a pump and dump. Yeah, okay. basically. Uh, pot coin. It currently is at uh, about a one cent for a pot coin. The volume in the last twenty four hours is all of five hundred dollars. So <laughs> that's globally. actually more than I would have yeah. expected. So globally, wow. still it still lives. <laughs> uh, globally, the pot coin has uh, you know barely anyone doing anything with it. Essentially, oh, I'm not surprised. And it was the always a terrible idea. Yeah, and the website still says pot coin is leading the legal cannabis revolution. I don't buy it. No, not if, true. If I remember correctly, they were the ones that wanted to create a cryptocurrency just for 
the the cannabis distributors yeah. and sellers the around the world. Yeah. Right. And that's obviously a stupid idea. Why would they want their own currency that they can't use anywhere else or to pay their employees? That's dumb. <laughs> Bitcoin solves all of their problems without being unaccepted anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Amazingly, it is still tra- traded on Bittrex. That's the one market that there's any volume at all. I, I'm shocked it yeah. still exists. Maybe people buy it just to have it as like a heirloom or you know what i mean a antique a unique thing or a collectible and was it an erc20 token or was it an actual cryptocurrency I think it was its own coin yeah because i don't recall that yeah uh but it's ranked at number 1575 on the cryptocurrency rankings on coinmarketcap.com which tracks over 16,000 cryptocurrencies supposedly so it's you know it's in the top 1500 of the 16,000 uh, it's i would still characterize show, it as dead yeah but it just goes to show you there's another 15,000 <laughs> below it right like True. this thing's got $500 in daily volume globally there's 15,000 others that have less than that so there's a ton of cryptocurrencies out there but bitcoin's the you know the granddaddy of them all and we talked about uh decentralization being an important aspect where there is no center, unlike crypto, unlike money coming from governments, where it comes from a central bank. It's right there in the name. Centralized banking. Every dollar comes out of the same organization. They issue these things at whatever rate that they want to. And if they want to increase the rate, then that increases what's called inflation. That is, that is what inflation is. It is the increase in the money supply. And we've seen them doing that more so in the last two years than probably in most of our lifetimes. That's why a lot of people got wages, uh, wage increases this year, but the price increases increased so much right. that it didn't they work. It didn't wiped help. out the wage increase, and now people actually make less money than they did prior to the inflation. Correct. Even if you're making, quote-unquote, twice as much, if you went from 7 and a half to $15 an hour, you know, fight for 15 your living standard is worse seven to 15 seems like a lot for the living standards to still be worse that is those crazy. people probably are still doing okay but but the people who only got like a 10 percent raise or something yeah, like that but i was gonna say when i worked in the hotel industry like once a year maybe once every six months you'd get a review and depending on the review you would get something like 50 cents or 25 cents or something like that and every single time i got a raise i felt like wow now i can survive more and that's it. See, that wasn't the case this year, though. I know what you're talking about. Is she's like, oh, well, here's a 2% raise or whatever. This year, we saw wage increases in fast food of 2 to $3 per hour. That didn't well, help people? And- it, it would have if it wasn't for the increase in prices resulting from the inflation that the government right. caused. Yeah, wage increases are almost always going to trail behind price increases. Yeah, because least- the, the businesses have to make money. Yeah, and they and it takes them time to you know implement these changes, and the prices take time to rise, and you know all of these things take time, right? And, I, and I've not seen the study, you know, a study. Maybe it's been done. I just haven't seen it on just how behind the ball people are now as compared to two or five years ago. Is it really you know the living standard has gone down? Because that's generally what I think is going to happen. It fell behind the ball back then, and that was I don't know four years ago. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to comment, you can join us here. What are some of the other key elements besides decentralization that really set Bitcoin apart from the government money system? Well, at the time, the encryption aspect of it and 
the widespread belief that it was anonymous money. And of mm-hmm. course, now in hindsight, we know that it's not anonymous, it's pseudo-anonymous, or whatever the term is. Yeah. But that set it apart. I did it, though, because U.S. dollars are also really anonymous. I mean, it's just a piece of paper that you can hand to someone. So I guess it managed to take a digital transaction and mm-hmm. give it the anonym- anonymity of the USD. We can continue here. And, of course, your calls and thoughts are welcome on the 13th birthday of Bitcoin. And then coming up, the commercial that's got people stirred up about cryptocurrency. And they're laughing at it. But should they be? We'll tell you and we'll play the audio coming up. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves here. We're talking about Bitcoin on its 13th birthday. Uh, You can join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Apparently, even Melania Trump has gotten in on the cryptocurrency action as she's apparently recently announced a Melania NFT, or a non-fungible token, as they are called. How recently? (laughs) Two weeks ago. Okay. She she used the... Bitcoin birthday as a way of advertising her NFT because people go, oh my God, Melania Trump mentioned Bitcoin. And it's true that she did, but she exploited that in order to pimp her NFT, Hmm. which is, according to Ian, a picture of her eyes. Yeah. And here's the weird thing. And you don't get to scoop them, her eyes out of her head or anything. It's just a picture of her eyes. It's a drawing, apparently, of her eyes. Wow. A watercolor drawing that she is selling for $150 worth of cryptocurrency. At least and she knows her her relative value. I would have expected her to charge like 150000 for this. Mm. Well, yeah. see, Wait, this is just... it being auctioned so it will go up? Well, that's the thing. That's what's confusing to me about this. I mean, By no means have I spent a significant amount of time researching all the different ways people can offer NFTs for sale. No, because it's stupid. Yes. And, (laughs) and, but what I normally see is what you say, Bonnie, is like these auctions where there's this one thing. This it starts one, at some per- yeah, price. Yeah, one drawing of a of a of an ape or a rock or something <laughs> like that, and then you bid on this with some amount of cryptocurrency, usually Ethereum, and then the winner gets the thing. This this NFT, which is essentially just a digital token that identifies this particular graphic existing on the internet. And and it's in your wallet, so therefore you have the supposed claim to that graphic but isn't because it of that. True that the URL it points to is really all you own, and that whoever is in control, in control of that URL can make it point at something else, and then you you actually lose your NFT that way. Yeah, we watched a video actually <laughs> about this, and it, it informed me more about. Again, I didn't know a whole lot about NFTs, but yeah, apparently you just own a URL. To the to the image, basically, 
It's not like a hash of the image or anything like that. So, or maybe there's different ways that can be done, but that's what one of these how-to videos on the NFT. So if the server that's got your image on it changes the image, there's nothing you can do about that. Or goes that. down. Or, or the server goes offline. <laughs> then you have nothing. So you don't even have like a flash drive with the JPEG on it or anything like that? You, mean, just, you can right-click and save as and save the JPEG. Oh, I see the issue, though. That's not unique. Anyone yes. can do that. Correct. Correct. And that's the that's why these things go to auction, right? Is because yeah. they're supposed to be unique. And it makes sense. If you had just one of a thing in the entire universe, you would want to sell that to the highest bidder, not charge a flat price for it. The issue with NFTs is that they're not unique. Anyone can right-click and click Save As. See, here's the thing about this, though. It seems like Melania Trump is selling more than one of these. Well, so, she is stupid. So I don't know... <laughs> Well, that's why I that's... just don't believe that she wrote that um, tweet today talking about Bitcoin's Bitcoin 13th birthday. birthday. It didn't even sound like her. I mean, it was Well, she text, would certainly but... use it to promote her NFT that yeah. she's trying to sell. Yeah, but I, I still feel like she had to hire somebody to write it. Like, uh, I don't even believe she orchestrated any of this, to be honest. I've looked into a lot about Melania Trump and watched a lot of uh, interviews. And I was just telling Arya this because I was kind of excited for her to be... First lady at first, because I thought she would come out being really cool, decorating the White House really cool, dressing really nice. And she just has no personality and no brain. See, I always had really low expectations of her because I understood (laughs) that she was just a a lifelong prostitute. But if it was like Kim Kardashian, who also kind of falls under that. I would have even lower expectations. (laughs) I'm just saying it could be interesting because she has personality, but Melania just doesn't have personality. Well, Kim Kardashian came out with a stupid promotion last summer of some Ethereum uh, token. Yeah, and I don't think it was Ethereum Max, and I don't think she wrote that either. Of course not. (laughs) She she doesn't even know what it is. Somebody just gave her a bunch of money and said, can you you know, post this to your Instagram? And she did. But it could have been like... That makes me miss John Max. McAfee, man. Yeah, it's true. He was the king of doing that. <laughs> and he had no shame about it. No, he would straight up tell you, if you gave $100,000, he would promote your crypto, whatever it was, scam or not. The world was not good enough for him. <laughs> scam or not. Rest in peace. Uh, so the funny thing is, she was selling this thing. And I, I guess I'm curious to know, how many did she sell? Because apparently the sale ended. There was a, a limited window of time in which people could buy this millennia vision or millennia's vision nft but it was a flat price so there was no bidding going on here which so there were multiple copies or yeah but you could buy the url to which your copy was i don't know i don't something? know what they were selling maybe it was just a jpeg and you could pay they were selling tulip bulbs as far as i can tell <laughs> it's, it's just not clear um, but I'll see if I can dig it up any more information about it. But it just sounds like she was selling a watercolor JPEG <laughs> of her eyes for $150 or excuse me, one Solana, which is a, a newer cryptocurrency that I don't know a whole lot about. Although yeah, I don't heard, know anything about it. I've heard that it has crashed, that the Solana network has gone down on multiple occasions, which led people to reveal that it's actually a centralized network oh. and it's not actually a decentralized, uh, quote unquote, cryptocurrency. So no, it's a centralized because like one organization is like really in love with it. And the problem is that they haven't gotten enough individuals on board to be truly decentralized. I'm not sure. 
Neither one of us know anything yeah, about if it. If you so. know more about it and you want to comment, you're welcome to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. But, I mean, everybody's on this train of the uh, the NFT thing. And will this year be the year that it finally dies off? Or Man, is it gonna I reach so. Is it going to reach new heights? More people going to spend more, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on simple graphics that you you know a child could uh, whip up in microsoft paint at least with crypto kitties you had a game you could play did you ever do it i never did because they, they even back then it was like three hundred dollars for a crypto kitty or something yeah. like that and that's stupid and i'm not going to participate in that they're not cute to me they're so cartoonish if they looked more like real cats they would be cuter than just like this alien like it looks like look futurama like cat I think so. I've only seen a few over the years, but I think some of them look like cats. I think there's a wide range of well, what you can get. The ones that you think of when you think of crypto kitties that are like, they're kind of, they're not made to look, they're like alien cats. I just don't think they're that cute. Ah, okay. So apparently there might be 2,807 of the Millennia's vision. So she's just selling a whole bunch each for one Solana? Yeah, apparently. Well, how many does she actually sell? Uh, another great question. <laughs> I don't have the answer to I that. I hope it's zero, but <laughs> I know in my heart that it's not. Is it a picture of her eyes before or after the botched plastic surgery that gave them the well, weird see, that's look? why they're a watercolor, because the <laughs> the painter can just not include that detail. Right. <laughs> uh, so we were just kind of just overarching, looking at uh, the Bitcoin evolution revolution whatever you want to call it it's an amazing thing that has happened we're 13 years into this now at this point and so kudos to satoshi nakamoto just want to say thanks if you're out there listening still if you're not dead or if you're not in a prison cell which some people there's different theories well, about he might be listening if he's in a prison cell that's possible yeah uh there's different theories about you know who this guy or gal is or group of people is but thank goodness that Satoshi Nakamoto did what he or she did back in 2008, 2009, because this has been a major tool to shift the power of money from the governments and the banks into the hands of the individual. And that's really what Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies do so well. And that's why the governments of the world hate it so much, because it is beyond their control they're trying. They are so desperately trying. Yeah, but they're so inefficient and behind that it, yeah. they've already lost the war, and they don't even know they it. They don't know it. The Hillary number, Clinton knows it. The number, she does. Yeah, she said She's time pissed. is running out. Uh, in Time's out, interview. Hillary. Yeah. 603-283-6160 is the number here. If you want to join us, what do you want to talk about? The NFT craze? Are you into these things? If so, why? Can you share that with us? Or just talk about why Bitcoin has just been the most amazing technology of our lifetimes besides the internet. Free Talk Live, the number is 603-283-6160. And we're still trying to figure out how many of these NFTs that Melania Trump sold. I saw one guy posting an image showing a, p- a potential maximum number of 2,800, but that might have been somebody copying it. So uh, according to the Financial Times article about the subject at FT.com, Melania Trump is flogging fungible NFTs. 
So the whole point of behind a non-fungible token, supposedly, is that it is it's inexchangeable for another thing. It's a unique thing. It's this one-off. So you she transfer, did it wrong. Yeah, you could transfer ownership, presumably, right? Correct. Correct. But there's not another one of these things supposedly that exists. That's the whole selling point behind an NFT. Yeah, but we've already established that Melania is stupid. Yeah, that the fact that she did NFTs wrong just makes me further believe that she didn't write the tweet that came out today about Bitcoin. Yeah, and apparently, uh, apparently Trump weighed in on this. Well. So, what did Trump have to yeah, say? I'll, I'll share that with you coming up here in a moment. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. And don't forget, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. We've got a social media website, and it is free to use over at social.freetalklive.com. There's been this huge blow-up recently on Twitter about this other another conservative alternative to tri- Twitter has come out. Oh, good. Another gab. Another yeah, parlor. Another parlor. It's Now it's called Getter. G E T T R, and there's well, they're conservatives. We do, we don't want them anyway. It, to be fair, it's true. But the problem is, a bunch of libertarians are like jumping ship too. Like, whoa, it's something else we can get on. Mastodon's been around for years, and it's actually run by Liberty. Well, Mastodon isn't, but the Mastodon servers like Liberdon.com and social.freetalklive.com are actually run by real liberty-minded people who actually are not going to censor you. Yeah, I never have issues with Mastodon either on my phone. Like Like, technical problems? Yeah, I've never had a technical problem with them. I'm sure if you started jumping on the bandwagon of some completely new thing like Getter, you're going to always have issues. And surprise, surprise, people are having issues, including on this so-called free speech platform censorship and of course the libertarians too well christopher cantwell managed to get censored from gab yes he did (laughs) yeah and so i mean to some of their credit some of the libertarians went over there just to test the waters just to see how free speech they supposedly were and just start immediately posting you know insults to republicans uh attacks on israel you know all the things that the republican empire would hate okay good for those libertarians i guess sure enough they got their posts deleted so clearly it's clearly it's not a free speech platform it's a conservative speech platform that's just a marketing thing and so look if you're actually a liberty-minded person you care about being able to express yourself without having you know somebody delete your content get over onto one of the pro-liberty mastodons yeah we don't care what stupid thing you say we really don't social.freetalklive.com is the site and i think it's almost celebrating a year i feel like it was like around now last year that we started social.freetalklive.com because there was all that blow up about uh people being taken down from various different uh it's at least been a year maybe more I think it's been at the beginning of the year because we're coming up on the January 6th thing. And I think we put our server up somewhere around that that time frame. Okay. So anyway, uh, head over to social.freetalklive.com. Let's bring up Hal. He's in Texas. Hal, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, great. Hey, what's on your mind? So so good to talk to you guys because you you know so much more than I do. Well, I don't know if that's true at all. I mean, you probably know more about other things that we don't know you know about. Exactly. Exactly. I I know a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm a smart guy, but you guys have got your thing. And well, like, what know, is that thing? Because I don't know what topic what we're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, we might know more about like Bitcoin or something like that. What are you referring yeah. to? Well, now Bitcoin that that's the topic of of 
I have a theory. Okay. I think it's the CIA. No. I think the <laughs> CIA started it. Why would you think that? Because, well, actually, there's, there's this character. I was in, in Pueblo. I was scoring some some stuff from my mind, and and uh, I was talking to this guy, and he was a, he's kind of a, a little a little smartass. And I was I thought, I just, you know, I thought I'd just pick on him a little bit. And uh, I started talking to him. I said, well, you know, Bitcoin was started by the CIA. I just was talking. And then I, as I got to thinking about it, <laughs> I realized, wait a minute, it's money. Now, how about Air America? You guys know about How CIA? about you explain to us why you think the CIA created Bitcoin? Well, do you know about Air America and uh, CIA smuggling cocaine? Sure. It seems like uh, Bitcoin would be counter to, I was going to bring up their drug t- trade. It seems like it would be counter to the point of that the point of that was to gain more control over people and bitcoin gives them way less control over people and it was to get usd so that they could give it to like rebels in some other country or something which those rebel groups don't need bitcoin because they can't go to lockheed martin and buy bombs or whatever using bitcoin Mm -hmm. but after decades after decades maybe not that long let's see but why wouldn't they want to just stay on the usd which was already working now wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, if you're if you're coalescing data, if you're collecting data on the people that you're trying to find out about, drug cartels, arms smugglers, all these Which represent uh, an extremely you, small percentage of the number of Bitcoin users, but go ahead. Well, I'm I refer back to you guys. I really I wasn't you know, spinning. I think you guys are a lot smarter than I am. I want to hear what you think. Okay. So uh, the reason why Bitcoin wasn't created by the CIA is because, as Bonnie touched on, it disempowers the government. Bitcoin is a power transfer from the powerful, the rich bankers, the rich government goons, the the, uh, central bankers of the world, to the individual, to the little guy. And the CIA has no interest in that. The CIA's interest is the strength and the power of the United States federal government. And the Bitcoin, Bitcoin is honestly the okay. greatest enemy to the U.S. One other, federal government. One other, one other uh, little nuance on this is that apparently, my understanding, I certainly wouldn't know. No way I could know. But my understanding is that it wasn't actually the CIA that was doing all these, you know, things. Minya, Arkansas, and all that. It was, it was, it was a uh, rogue aspect of the CIA. So maybe we're looking at uh, a rogue aspect of the CIA that has. Why would there be a rogue aspect of the CIA designed to take so down the U.S. Data. government? So far, well, actually, what they're after is really information. Well, this is a really stupid way to do it. There's all kinds of information that they can get out there by calling their buddies at the NSA. And people using banks and the banks being forced uh, by the government or, you know, not really forced, but by the government to collect data on people is a better way to collect data on people by the money that they use than through Bitcoin, which you only know, oh, this Bitcoin was transferred uh, from one 
wallet to the other. You don't necessarily have to know those people's names or anything like you do with a right. You don't know when somebody creates a Bitcoin wallet for the first time. You have no idea who owns that wallet. The only way that you okay. can find out who owns a Bitcoin wallet is if someone pops up and says, "Hey, this is my wallet," and then you know, then it's associated with that. Yeah, person. this is but, this is a whole lot of trouble for someone for the CIA to go through when all they have to do is. Tap your cell phone, man, and they find out everything they'd ever need to know about you, including all of your contracts, where you've gone. You could sell me on the idea that Steve Jobs or whoever created Android were CIA agents, Mm -hmm. because these things, they're spyware that we carry with us everywhere we go. Yeah, very effective at doing that, for sure. But Bitcoin isn't that. Thank you, Hal, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Every now and then we hear this particular conspiracy theory, and there's just nothing backing it up beyond wild speculation. I could maybe be convinced that it came out and then was it wasn't when it came out it wasn't meant to to empower the people and disempower the government and it was kind of an accident they're like oh no this thing is doing something we didn't intend if it didn't come out with a huge um white paper explaining oh this disempowers the government gives power to the people so yeah Yeah, peer-to-peer electronic cash i believe is the subheading of the bitcoin white paper yeah it was literally designed to transfer power back to the people yeah, and it's working very, very well. And again, that's why the government gang wants to put a stop to it. And Donald Trump has historically been very anti-Bitcoin, very anti-crypto. But now all of a sudden, since his wife has her own so-called NFT, he's weighed in. And we'll I gotta ex- know what he has yeah, to say. Because well, <laughs> all he can do, he can't tweet anymore, right? And his new website hasn't come out yet. His new Truth Social website that, by the way, Donald Trump chose Mastodon. Uh, that hasn't come out yet, so he can only really issue press releases. So he did issue a press release about this. Uh, we'll share it with you coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour here on Bitcoin's 13th birthday we're celebrating it by just kind of, you know, randomly bouncing around from cryptocurrency topic to cryptocurrency topic. We just happened to encounter tonight that Melania Trump, apparently, in the month of December, a couple weeks ago, she launched her own quote-unquote NFT. <laughs> and I say quote-unquote because it appears as though... I was she- hoping January was going to... I was hoping 2022 was going to be less stupid. The no, 2021. No. 2020, comma, two. Haven't you heard of that one yet? No. It's going to be like 2020, 
again. Uh, so you can join us here. I don't know. 2021 wasn't that bad. It had its moments. It got really stupid again toward the end of the year. We there just was also the moment FBI where they, rated, yeah. Yeah, the, where they pointed guns and threatened to kill you. And That's you true. Know, that did six happen. In the morning. <laughs> That was 2021. It feels like that just happened in its own time and space, and I forget it when I think of 2021 sometimes. It does feel weird. Like, my entire life just suddenly got divided into two yeah. sections, before yeah. the raid and after the raid. Yep, me too. And that's, it sucks. Anytime something like traumatic happens to somebody, that's what happens. When I was in a car accident, I started feeling so annoying anytime I said the accident, and I just felt like I said that so often. It's just because it defined before the accident and after the accident was just definitive, and that's the same way as the raid. So we've been talking about the uh, Melania NFT as we try to learn about this thing. So the number I'd seen before on just an image on somebody's social media has been confirmed now. Uh, Apparently the way that this thing was sold was through her website, MelaniaTrump.com. And if you go there, then it shows you a view on Solana link, and you can then pull up the actual Solana blockchain explorer so for listeners that don't know like with bitcoin most cryptocurrencies are publicly viewable meaning that the bitcoin blockchain is essentially a uh, it's basically a public ledger yes. and it's uh, it's decentralized it's distributed so that's another aspect we we're talking about decentralization why bitcoin's different from government monies being decentralized is important and also distributed meaning that the blockchain which is like last i heard like 300 gigabytes or something i'll have to check and see where it is these days but it's it's hundreds of gigabytes in size sure very very large file and so every bitcoin node out there and there's last i saw ten thousand plus nodes has a copy of the entire bitcoin blockchain which that blockchain is every transaction that has ever occurred on the bitcoin network going all the way back to january 3rd of 2009 so 13 years worth of transactions. So other blockchains are like this too. Um, many of them were copied from Bitcoin. The code was copied from Bitcoin. They launched their own thing. I don't know how Solana started. I don't know a lot about Solana. It is probably like most of these projects do in, in their mom's basement. <laughs> possibly. I mean, it is a top 10 bit or it is a top 10 crypto. So, I mean, it is definitely something to be you know, contended with. Uh, some people say that it is a centralized project, maybe run by some sort of corporation. I don't know all the details. If you do, feel free. So I can't say I know a whole lot about looking at a Solana blockchain and what exactly I'm seeing here, but I definitely see next to current supply on the Melania token address, 2,807. So there's definitely 2,807 of these things available. Does that mean they haven't sold any? That's the other thing I tried to figure out was how many of these things in the last... Because it was a limited sale, only two weeks. It ended on December 31st. Why 2807? I don't know. Uh, But it ended on December 31st, so it was two weeks prior to that. And looking here at the history on the blockchain, it shows a number of transactions, right? And if you go down, you you can see the full history. There's only 33 transactions on this account. So now I don't know if all 33 of those transactions are the one Solana purchases that because I, I mean 2,840 is at least a round number mm-hmm. or yeah. even number. So it looks like no more than 30 something people bought the uh, Solana or the Melania NFT. That's a lower proportion of idiots out there than I would and have anticipated. Expected. Yeah. 
However, this does have interesting ramifications for like campaign financing and things like that. Like if Trump does run again and he wants to sell an NFT, but did the actual way, Mm -hmm. like one unique NFT and you auction it. I mean, he's not raising funds for the campaign in that case. He's the, the campaign is selling an NFT. They're selling a product. It would be interesting to see how that affects campaign financing or how that is affected by campaign financing laws. Trump issued a statement on December 17th about this statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. Congratulations to my wife, Melania. The launch of Melania's new NFT business epitomizes our American spirit of ingenuity, creativity and entrepreneurship. I'm exploiting gullible, stupid people and doing it really late. Yeah. <laughs> People are still jumping on this this uh, bandwagon. He goes on, he says, By leveraging blockchain technology, MelaniaTrump.com will provide Melania's fans, connoisseurs of the arts, and the public at large the ability to collect rare and limited edition pieces while benefiting children in the foster care community. So this is apparently was a charitable uh, fundraiser, according to Melania. It's gonna She's got some sort of kids' charity that... Supposedly, the revenue is going to go towards. That's odd, considering she wore a shirt that said, I don't really care, do you, to visit the kids in cages on the border Oh wow. in 2020. She wore a jacket that the back of it said, I don't really care, do you? That's insane. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's just a jacket. But that's so weird. It's a weird time yeah, to wear that. She chooses her jackets very carefully, I imagine. <laughs> So anyway, there's your uh, Millennia Trump NFT, which was not really an NFT because there was 2,800 of them, unless you're going to say that it's still unique because there's you only got one out of 2,800. Well, it's limited edition, yeah, but not unique. Yeah, that's true. So uh, there's that. We were talking about some of the things that set Bitcoin apart. We talked about decentralization, the fact that the blockchain, the uh, the actual the ledger, this public ledger is distributed over thousands of locations. That's a security aspect of Bitcoin. It's also one of its downfalls because it is all public. And this is one of the things that Monero came later and fixed. That's true. Like if anyone has your Bitcoin public address, they can type it into any of these blockchain explorers and find out exactly where you've sent Bitcoin to, where you've received Bitcoin from, and what your Bitcoin balance is. Correct. They can't. The only thing they can't do is send Bitcoin out of your wallet without your private key. And I think there's a few other little technical things they can't do. But if they right. have your public wallet, they can pretty much trace back and exactly where your Bitcoin's originated. They can, um, although you know that you can still use Bitcoin in a, as you described, pseudonymous manner. You can create yes. a new Bitcoin wallet, and no one knows that you have it. Yep. And so, if you were to send some of the Bitcoin from your known wallet to an unknown wallet, then no one knows who owns that other wallet. They just know where it is. They can see it sitting there, but they don't know whose it is. So that uh, you know, it's still kind of it's not truly anonymous, but it's not totally. Even though it's public, it's not totally known. It's not like right. the knowledge about who owns which uh, wallet addresses is is not clear. Uh, but as you mentioned, Monero, of course, was the first notable privacy coin that solves the problems that you're talking about. It's still distributed. There are still yes. thousands of copies of the Monero blockchain out there. There still is a blockchain. It's just we don't really know how many Monero there are. Why not? Because we have no idea. Like, there's just no real way to be sure how many... Mon- like, with Bitcoin, we know how many Bitcoin are being released into the blockchain every roughly 10 minutes when a new block is found. It's, I believe, at the 6.25 right now. It's the number of Bitcoin that comes out fresh, 
right? Brand new Bitcoin into the system. And we know the cap at which Bitcoin will stop being emitted, which is 21 million Bitcoin. Yeah. And they just crossed 19 million not too long ago. So we're at like 90% basically of the total number of Bitcoin that's out there. First of all, Monero has no upper limit. So that's one of the differences, another key difference besides the fact that it's private. And that is a downside, but... As you pointed out, it can't really have an upper limit anyway, or, I mean, I guess technically it may be able to, but we would never be able to prove that upper limit hasn't been exceeded because we have no idea how much Monero is in each Monero wallet. Correct. So, and I guess you don't really know the emission rate of Monero. I'm not sure how all that works exactly. Um, again, it's it's fairly complex technology, and I'm not the first person to ask about it. But I like it. I'm not either. I like the fact that it's really flummoxing the government gang out there. They they really hate Monero. Boy, if they don't, if they hate Bitcoin, they have like a 10x hate on Monero because they can't trace it. All the more reason to use it. The IRS is begging people to somehow crack Monero, and they're still waiting for that taker. More coming up here in moments. You can join us. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us and bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. And you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. Plus, we're raising funds for Give Directly, which is the first nonprofit that allows you to raise money or rather you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. They locate recipients who are in need and use mobile money to send them cash with no strings attached. And in the last decade, they've delivered over $400 million to over a million people who really need some help. These are people that are in serious poverty in places like Khalifi and Bamet counties in Kenya. And that's where we're raising money for right now. You can uh, go to give.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live will match your donations up to a total of $30,000. Research shows that giving cash to people in poverty can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives, like employment, nutrition, health, and education. Plus, cash allows those individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away choosing for them. So if you want to help some people out, uh, you can help them by giving directly over at give.freetalklive.com. And they do accept cryptocurrency. Do they? Yes, they do. Also worth noting is that the original campaign for this ended on December 31st. Oh, okay. But we extended it until January 31st. Great. So that we could do additional promotion of it on social media and stuff like that, which... I think it only got promoted once on social media, and that was when I did it toward the end of last month. Okay, cool. Hopefully, we'll get some more focus on that from the person who was supposed to have done that. It's never too late to give. I mean, you can always go to uh, to give directly, and poverty doesn't end. That's true. Just because our you know promotion does. Uh, So we're talking about Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin's thirteenth birthday, and there are a lot of people that are, I guess, laughing. And jeering cryptocurrency over this Crypto.com commercial. Yeah, I only saw the headlines and it was all about how people are mocking Matt Damon for his appearance in this, calling it cringy and stuff like that. I don't, I haven't seen it. Well, I you're going to hear so it. I don't know. Yeah, you're going to hear it now. And I'm going to play the audio and we'll describe what's going on in this 
uh, minute-long spot. Apparently, it aired during some NFL games. Uh, according to some of the comments, it's been shown in front of movie theaters or like movie uh, during the previews and such. You know, I just flew so. a lot over the weekend, and there's still the um, the. LED display in Atlanta that occasionally promotes some Bitcoin project or mm-hmm. a place to get Bitcoin right there in one of the largest airports in the U.S. So, so Bitcoin's getting pretty popular. It's getting out there for sure. And the fact that Crypto.com is doing so well as to be able to do huge sponsorships, by the way, these, you know, buying an NFL game is not cheap. No, and they're in like postseason now like the super bowl has got to be it's a coming a few up. weeks away right yeah. so and in fact crypto.com has some super bowl super bowl ads they're going to be doing wow so that gives you some idea they've actually been sponsoring entire sports teams like stadiums like they've got a, some stadium out in los angeles or something like that somewhere out in the west coast so they're doing very very well as a company obviously and so here's what matt damon who they uh, they hired to do this and i believe that's because matt damon also is into crypto Right, like, why would he appear in a, a commercial for Crypto.com? Because they paid him. Yeah, I don't think Meg the Stallion is into crypto, and she did this crypto thing. But they may be into crypto, right? I'm I not saying Matt is it, but yeah, I believe I've read that he is. Um, but I, I don't have that in front of me at the moment. So here's the actual video. History is filled with almosts, with those who almost adventured, who almost achieved, but ultimately. For them, it proved to be too much. Then and he's walking around like an empty hall, and the first sort of these computerized images start to fill the hallway with these world firsts sorts of things that you're you're going to hear more of in a moment. But the first one is like a Spanish uh, ship. It reminds me of one of the earlier seasons of American Dad, where Roger the alien said something to the effect of, "You know, history is filled with sore losers who couldn't win, but who could spoil the winner's victory." Right. Mm-hmm. And he well, listed off people like um, whoever that notorious traitor during the Benedict, Benedict Arnold. Yeah. yeah. People like that. And it, it just sounds sort of similar. Like history's full of people who could have been great, but weren't. There are others. The ones who embrace the moment and commit. And in- He's walking by like a man putting a pickaxe into the side of a mountain. He's climbing up a, you know, like a snowy mountain. These moments of truth... These men and women, these mere mortals. He's walked by a, uh, a picture or you know image, imagery or video of uh, somebody flying a plane, like an early... Did like they the use Wright Tank Brothers. Guy in this video? No, they didn't. Oh, Are like, people calling this cringy because it sounds like one of those, you know, Instagram, you can do it, you can work out... Ten times today, you can just push yourself and achieve greatness to work out ten times today type of Instagram man things. Is that what's cringy about this? Because that's what I'm getting so far. Well, let me continue here and we'll uh, we'll talk about what people are saying and then you can tell us what you think. Just like you and me. For some reason, he sh- they're showing like alongside of these like amazing achievements, you know, c- climbing up a snowy mountain, flying uh, one of the first airplanes, like kind of the Wright brothers kind of imagery. Then there's just people in a club, and I'm not sure what that's supposed to be about. But anyway. as they peer over the edge, they calm their minds and steal their nerves. And this one is what's no, really they don't. S- Those people who do these things, do they are completely nervous as they do them. They're not all. You know, Zen masters calm. I'm about to risk my life in this first flight ever for a human being. The Wright brothers were terrified when they did that. They just overcame that fear. 
Well, I mean, that's what he's saying. They steal their nerves and, you know, overcome whatever they need to overcome. But what the imagery is on the screen at this point is now five astronauts walking on whatever the space bridge is to get over to, uh, you know, presumably a space shuttle. Space bridge. on the uh, astronauts' little neck area, it actually says Satoshi on one of the astronauts. Yeah. With four simple words that have been whispered by the intrepid since the time of the Romans. Fortune favors the brave. And then Crypto.com's logo comes up over what appears to be an image of Mars or something like that in the background. And, you know, download their app. Isn't it bold? Yeah, I don't know. I think it might be bold, but whatever. I mean, what's the difference ultimately between those uh, those two terms? Wait, what? I think it's fortune favors the bold. Oh. But regardless, I mean, pretty similar either way. So um, your thoughts just on your initial hearing of this, and then we can get into what people are saying about it. Sounded all right to me. I I just, I I think Matt Damon just looks like a typical middle-aged Louisiana dad, and I don't like him. Well, that's who they're trying to sell this stuff to, right? (laughs) People with money? Well, the typical average American who's watching football on a Sunday afternoon. Right. Oh, yeah, Who's that's probably true. a dad drinking a Bud Light or a Budweiser or something. And they like Matt Damon. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the perfect Isn't guy he... to sell this to them instead of, I mean, if they wanted to sell it to, uh, yeah, I don't know, younger people, they'd get, who did you say? Megan the Megan Meg, Stallion yeah, did her. do a, yeah, a Bitcoin ad. It was weird. Isn't he from Boston? Matt, Matt Damon? Damon? He just gives me Louisiana know. dad vibes. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, and and the, the big complaint is... They're saying that someone buying Bitcoin is like being an astronaut? That's basically what the complaints are, but we'll, we'll share a couple of them for you coming up here. You can share your thoughts at 603-283-6160, uh, and you can join us and bring up whatever's on your mind here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. It's Bitcoin's 13th birthday. And you know what that means? That means that Bitcoin has barely been around for a decade. It's a teenager now. Yeah. And and Mm. as far as the history of money is concerned, 13 years is not a long time. It is still How many zeros has the Venezuelan knocked off? From their dollar. In the last 13 years? Yeah. 
I'm suddenly very curious. I think it's probably at least 12. eleven that I can think of, and I guess and we'll probably have to look more. And yeah, or I, I mean, just any thirteen-year period. What is the most devaluation of a currency that we've seen? Because as I understand it, Bitcoin is down, but it's not down like any government currency is. Oh yeah, Bitcoin's only down if you compare it to its all-time high. <laughs> Which it reached briefly, uh, I don't know, what, a month or so ago? A month and a half? Something like that? Uh, let's see here. When did the Boulevard Fuerte come out? Uh, that was March of 2007. So it in the last 13 years, the... Uh, so I'm going up to 2020-ish, I get. The Venezuelan Boulevard in the last 13 years has cut 11 zeros off of its currency. Yeah, so in the grand yeah. scheme of things, Bitcoin's doing pretty good. I mean, we are comparing it to one of the worst currencies out there, but still compare it to the USD, which is down substantially, where in the last 13 years, Bitcoin is up, you know. Even if we don't start it when it was worth nothing, if we start it just when it was $1 per well, that's Bitcoin. that's what I was going to say. Let's go back and see when was Bitcoin worth $1, because I remember on that day... You know, we point. I think we talked about it on Free Talk Live. Like, this is wow. a pretty big day. The fact that this thing that was worth nothing when it originally came out, it was just a computer program. To give you, you an know? idea of how useless and worthless the USD is, even Dogecoin, the joke meme coin, almost reached one dollar. Mm. Oh wow! The uh, the chart over at coinmarketcap.com only goes back as far as coinmarketcap existed so it doesn't show uh the earliest one at coinmarketcap that that i think they've been been around even uh, less time so i'd have to just go i think coinmarketcap is the longest running one somebody's got it somewhere i'm sure there's a chart of all-time bitcoin price history somewhere just don't don't have it pulled up at the moment but suffice it to say it was before 2013 when it was uh a dollar or less because at 2013 it was uh, like a hundred bucks so let's just say it was somewhere around 2011, 2012 when it was $1. That's probably about so, right. Uh, let's call it a decade ago that it reached a dollar. And, and now, now it's $45,000, dollars $47,000 per. So yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite a change. I think uh, at the end of 2020, we went over the best investments of the decade. Yeah. And Bitcoin was the best investment. Hands down, by, by far. Yeah. There was no contest. I think number two was like Tesla or something, and it didn't even come Not close. Even when I said that one time on the internet, one of my friends said, that can't be possible. What about, oh, I mean, uh, the United States buying Alaska? <laughs> That didn't happen in the last decade. Years, well, yeah. sorry, not in the ten, last 10 years. I and said of much, all time. How much money has the U.S. government really made off of Alaska? I've tried to right? find any information. It didn't seem to be like very cut and dry to find out so I could argue with them. I was just like, whatever, man. Yeah. Well, buying Alaska is not <laughs> something anyone can do. That's also <laughs> a fair point. I was about to get who did Alaska belong to? This I was like, I'm just going to sell this whole place. Yeah. That seems a bit fishy considering that, you know. Alaskan natives lived there and stuff I think like it was that. Russia, but yeah, governments deciding they own the biggest state in the United States is pretty crazy. So Matt Damon and Crypto.com, they've released an advertisement. Apparently that commercial actually came out two months ago, but now it's stirring up some controversy because Crypto.com bought some ad spots on uh, some NFL games and is planning to purchase more. Uh, My on- only real objection was that it... The audio wasn't very clear what he was even trying to sell. I don't think he ever actually mentioned Bitcoin or no. Crypto.com oh, it wasn't or over? anything. I mean, it was over? Yeah, it's just a minute long ad. So he never said the word Bitcoin the whole time? No. It just had an astronaut with the word Satoshi on its neck? Well, it I'm sure it popped crypto. up Crypto.com at the end or yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. But That's it. 
for people who are just listening to the game at work or something like that, mm-hmm. some sort of audio cue about what he's talking about would have been nice. Yeah. I, I didn't they, know that was the whole thing. I thought that was just the beginning or something. I guess they just presume most people watch the television when they're yeah, watching might, the game. You but. might jump into the kitchen and make some snacks and you still kind of you can hear it no i don't disagree with you it would have been a smart move to have some announcer say crypto.com at that the just end makes me think like that. even more that matt damon doesn't actually do crypto because he was just like oh, okay i'll say those words you know well even if he does crypto that doesn't them. mean he gets to write the script yeah, i yeah. don't know uh, anyway, whether or not Matt Damon is into cryptocurrency, it doesn't matter. The people are just, they're just trashing on this advertisement. And oh, because they're hipsters. They don't like it now that it's popular. They want to trash the guy who's helping make it more popular. Yeah, well, and we're, and that's the other point I wanted to make here is that we're 13 years into this and it's still early. So mm-hmm. the old first they ignore you, then they, uh, was it, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. They're still laughing and fighting, right? Like crypto is it's still young. It's it hasn't, you know, completely destroyed all the world's currencies or anything like that. So I don't know if you could say it has won, quote unquote. It has not gotten, you know No, but the trajectory is pretty clear that it's gonna win. It's a nice looking trajectory for sure. I mean it is in the top fifteen or top ten of all US corporations, like the biggest corporations, publicly held corporations. It rivals Tesla. You know? Bitcoin hasn't even reached 5% adoption. That's the point, yeah. Hardly anyone has this stuff. So, And, it's, and just by the market demands of, I don't know what the actual percentage of the population is, but I know it hasn't reached 5% of the worldwide population. It's probably significantly lower. Mm-hmm. But just that market demand from that few number of people has pushed the value of Bitcoin to 40-something thousand dollars per. Yeah, and I hope ne- that- nearly a trillion dollars in market cap. I hope that... Trump saying slightly positive things about cryptocurrency will push the QAnon older people into getting into cryptocurrency because I know that my parents aren't like into QAnon, but they're uh, Trumpy. Um, they think that Bitcoin is a scam partially because of Trump, Trump. said so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's just one quote from the YouTube video. I've never heard my brother laugh so hard at a trailer at a movie theater before this. We thought this was going to be like SpaceX or some big new NASA thing or something. Another, well, Bitcoin's bigger than SpaceX and NASA, dude. Yeah. yeah. Another one says, bro, I saw this in the Spider-Man previews, and once crypto showed up at the end, me and my friends started laughing so hard in the theater that everyone was looking at us, LOL. Well, that see, would, go ahead. I think that um, what sucks about the way that people find things cool or not is just based off of basically what everybody else likes nowadays and there's this campaign basically i it's not like it's one person but i just know that it's all coming from the same place because i always see it on instagram there's this idea being pushed obviously pushed that is crypto is just a thing for nerdy guys and it's a basically a crypto it's basically a pyramid scheme i got so annoyed one day because this girl that i went to high school with posted this thing she views all of my stories and i post about crypto all the time Mm -hmm. and she posted this meme that was like crypto is like the avon for young nerdy men and i wasn't literally mad i was like that's so stupid like that's such a i don't even disagree with the statement right well no, because MLMs are just like 
stupid. They're actually not, you know. But the more people we get as, into Bitcoin, I mean, the better off we are, right? By definition. But I mean, it's still getting value for the, the person, even the person who bought last is still getting something that's not a dollar. So I don't think it's the same as like just being the last person to buy a tulip bulb and having no one to sell it to. Yeah, it's not this. And we, I want to get into this because this whole thing leads into a story that I've had for a couple of days now, which is. Is Bitcoin, well, the story is Bitcoin is worse than a Ponzi scheme. So we'll actually get into the claims that it is a is a Ponzi scheme. In fact, one of the critics of this advertisement, uh, in, cited by Indy100.com, says there isn't enough yuck in the world to describe Matt Damon advertising a Ponzi scheme. That's what I was going to weigh in on, is that no one who has cryptocurrency is going to laugh <laughs> when they're watching the Spider-Man trailers right. and cryptocurrency is promoted. They're going to be tremendously satisfied to yeah. see that. These are yeah. a bunch of haters who are like, oh, I'm too cool for cryptocurrency. Right. Those nerds play their D&D and they have their World of Warcraft money. Okay, enjoy we, obsolescence, These dude. idiots are going to be working for one of those nerds someday. Yep. We basically overheard a conversation like this at the at a restaurant once. We'll continue. 603-283-6160 if you want to talk about that. Bonnie, we can do that coming up on Free Talk Live. First, they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Is la- is the laughing part really part of that quote? Yes, it is. Oh. And they are laughing away at Crypto.com, a, I presume, multi-billion dollar company, because they just bought the sponsorship rights for what is co- was called the Staples Center, and I believe it is located in Los Angeles, somewhere on the West Coast, like one of these big sports stadiums, it is now known as the Crypto.com Center. Good for them. And so they've got a lot of money to throw around because they've been doing something right. And they've been offering cryptocurrency services. And they're not a sponsor. I would love for them to be a sponsor of this show. Um, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to use their you know their services these days. But I'm not either. But I'm allowed to contact prospective companies for marketing purposes. Sure, uh, and I have used their services, uh, so I can say as a customer uh, of Crypto.com, which I joined their uh, their debit card program a couple of years ago. Now it was probably at least two years ago that I I got their uh, crypto fu- fuel debit card. It's been a great little tool that uh, that you can you know send your cryptocurrency over to and turn it into dollars and put it on a, a debit card and then go and buy stuff with it. It actually makes crypto a little bit more useful than it was before. It's got built into it like an exchange uh, feature where you you know if you've got Bitcoin and you want Bitcoin Cash, you can just tell it you know to make that swap within the app. And uh, so as far Very as cool. a, yeah, as far as a custodial solution goes. It's a fine one because obviously you can't have a non-custodial debit card, right? Like there has to be somebody somewhere has to have the funds in their possession in order for you to actually have a debit card. So, of course, it has to be custodial, meaning that a company has control of your funds in that case. Uh, But, you know, that said, it's been uh, it's been pretty cool. And they've got a token that they pay out their their crypto back you know sort of like some credit cards give you a cash back quote unquote it might you might get like one percent uh cash back crypto.com pays up to like eight percent crypto back per transaction so how are they making money i i presume they buy and sell cryptocurrency 
at yeah. crypto.com. They must be doing that. And uh, they're giving you their token, which is probably worth less than the Bitcoin you're spending, right? They're giving you eight percent, up to 8%, depending on uh, if you do staking. So you have to stake their token in order to get the higher percentages. You can get their card for no staking, from what I understand. It's just like, you know, sign up and get approved and, and get the card. And I think then you get maybe 1% or 2% back. Um, and then the more Crypto.com coins or tokens that you stake with them, the higher their okay. you know, percentage back is. So you sort of you're betting on Crypto.com by doing that. Well, um, they're purchasing stadiums, so they're a safe bet. Well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I mean, we don't know. I mean, I'm not going to go out and say that. But tomorrow, they could. There could be some scandal, and their, their token could go down into the basement. But as of right now, if you go to CoinMarketCap.com, the Crypto.com token. Well, I don't know anything about their token. I meant them as a company. Is number sixteen on the entire out of the sixteen thousand different uh, cryptocurrencies out there? It's Is that what 16. it's called? Just Crypto.com token? Crypto.com uh, coin, C-R-O. Mm-hmm. And it's been in the top 10. I've seen it break into uh, like number 10 or number 9 before. So uh, right now they're worth 56 cents a piece. And earlier this year, a few months, like within the last couple months, they were up at like 90-something cents a awesome. piece. So, you know, down from their peak. But So, uh, you know, kudos to them. They've, they've got big money to throw around. They're buying big advertising. and they, You said they did buy Super Bowl advertising? I believe in this article it says that they have some Super Bowl ads coming out that we haven't seen That's them impressive. yet. Yeah, but uh, those are not cheap. No, those are the most expensive television advertising you can buy. I mean, it doesn't get more expensive than the Super Bowl. So at some point, probably within the next month or so, whenever the Super Bowl happens, what is it normally in February? I think uh, we'll probably see those ads too, and maybe they'll be in the same vein of the idea that they're promoting in this ad with Matt Damon is you're taking a risk. Yeah, you you have to be bold in order to take a risk, and of course, there's a ton of people who laughed at these people they're referencing, right? Yeah, the, people whose wives are going to leave them for one of these Bitcoin nerds. That's true. I think that there is, I can see both sides a little bit because at the end of the day, if you're accomplishing working out every day, you are accomplishing a great thing for yourself. Mm-hmm. But there are people who go overboard with the inspirational quotes type things. Like there's a culture that does that that gets laughed at. It's not that they're wrong. It's just their attitude is funny. But, but if it's getting them to work out every day, then exactly, at the end of the right. day, they're going to be in good shape, and the people who are laughing at them are probably fat losers. Yeah, I, I And mean, we're not talking right. about working out. We're I talking know, about Bitcoin, which is changing the world. It has changed the world. I we're, just think that people who don't see the full picture see it that way. Like, people who don't see the full picture of somebody else working out see it. You know, there are more, there's more than just getting muscles to working out. You know, you're getting gaining other things. It's the same thing with crypto. You don't just have crypto. There's so many other aspects that the people don't have the vision, don't see. That's just it. These people have no vision. They don't see the benefits to this. They think it's either a scam or something stupid or whatever. They've not taken any time to look into it. They just they've seen somebody writing on the internet that it's a Ponzi scheme, yeah. or and that, now they're smarter. Or somebody lost some money somewhere, and so they think they know everything, and they're just laughing at something they really don't understand. And there's that. That's the point of this advertisement is to point out. That and these are history- adults, and that's sad because I always hoped when I was in high school that that mentality that ooh smart people are, mm-hmm. we hate smart people. Right. It's, it's not cool to be smart. You know, you would think still that still like that, that. attitude's yeah. going to die out in high school, but no, it persisted no. onto the internet where 
you have people saying, oh, I'm not reading that novel you wrote. And it's like four sentences or something like that because yeah. they're just so dumbed down mm-hmm. or they so want to be cool that any signs of intellect is an insult to yeah. them. They and think it's the tr- same thing here. They think trashing on the number one investment in the last decade is cool. And it's just because they don't know that. They haven't even looked that far into it. Yeah, They literally just see memes. I'm telling you how much memes influence people's entire worldview. People will just see a meme and be like, oh, that's going around so much. It's been like 20,000 times. It must be true. It must be I don't how think I it's should memes, think. though. I, I mean, it was cool. It's always been cooler to be stupid than it is to, than it was to be a Bitcoin billionaire. But yeah. there aren't just good memes. There are also horrible memes out there. Like the people I'm talking about are literally like ner- like high school moms who became nurses and now they think that crypto is fake because they see this Twitter thought posting about how crypto is fake. It's it's there's not just good memes out there. There's so horrible memes that the, people base their lives on. The point of this advertisement is to point out that people who have taken those risks in the past are the ones who've been laughed at, right? Like how many people laughed at the Wright brothers? Like they thought <laughs> you think you can fly? And how many times were those people completely laughed away from wherever it is that they tried to make their pitch to and you know the same thing's true of so many people who've been a success in life they failed a lot of times until they got to that point in the case of bitcoin it's not a failure like we're not in the we're not in the we're attempting to take off phase at this point uh, you know you can understand why somebody would would jeer at something that was completely unproven right like if satoshi nakamoto comes in and knocks on somebody's door in 2010 when bitcoin is worth next to nothing you could at least forgive someone for saying oh that'll never amount to anything right because that at that point it hadn't amounted to anything and it's just another uh it's just another program that some geek on the internet wrote so you could forgive someone for that but when bitcoin is near to a trillion dollars in global value right now to continue just acting as though it's some sort of a uh, like we're just flirting with this idea that it's just going to disappear, go to zero tomorrow. It's absolutely. I'm ridiculous. telling you, though, we're we're arguing with the lowest common denominator because those people yeah, don't even they, they don't even know anything about the coin market cap or anything. Right. Or a trillion dollars. That's fine. We need stupid people to be the last ones on board with cryptocurrency. I mean, that's just a fact <laughs> of life. But I will say, imagine with me for a second if this was Samuel L. Jackson and not Matt Damon. People wouldn't laugh at it. Matt mm. Damon just sucks. And is cringy and the embodiment of all the cringiness that I've been trying to describe when I say overzealous workout Instagram page. I didn't get that vibe from it at all. I don't think Samuel L. Jackson would have sold it any better. I think he would have because he's cool. I'm just trying to say well, somebody Samuel who L. Is Jackson cool. is repping a bank. That's Last sucks. I checked. I think he's like repping Capital One or something. Well, like whoever that. you think is the coolest. Actor. I'd like to see Morgan Freeman do it, man. That would have been an mm. awesome narration by Morgan Freeman. He does do commercial audio. That's he can you can hire him for that. Uh, the number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. So you know they're jeering at Bitcoin, even though we're thirteen years in, even though it's the number one investment in the last decade plus. And it is taking the financial world by storm. Governments across the planet have no idea what to do about it. They're going to try to regulate it, and they are going to fail. But yet, the trash talking continues. Story from Finbold.com. We'll get into it coming up in the third hour. Bitcoin, they say, is worse than a Ponzi scheme. And we've heard that it's a Ponzi scheme before, but worse? We'll get into it. You can share your thoughts with us on Free Talk Live. 
On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Which you can bring up whatever's on your mind. We've been talking about Bitcoin, sort of as the overarching topic here tonight. It is its 13th birthday. It was 2009, January 3rd, when Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever that person or persons is or are, released Bitcoin's code out there. The mining process began. And now here we are, 13 years later, with nearly a trillion dollars in value. It's just under 900 billion at the moment although it has it has eclipsed a trillion before so it's it's down a little bit from its record high of around sixty eight thousand dollars per coin it's at around forty six thousand dollars per coin right now some people would say bitcoin is on sale and others would say bitcoin is dead others would say (laughs) it's a ponzi scheme and somebody here over at finbull.com is saying it's worse than a Ponzi scheme. But what started this whole conversation is the controversy that Crypto.com has stirred up over its new series of advertisements with uh, Matt Damon. And I did, by the way, look a little bit deeper, and Matt Damon is a Crypto.com investor. So he is somebody who supports uh, cryptocurrency. Cool. Uh, he's into it, I guess. And he's just the coolest supporter they had, so now it makes a little more sense why they chose him for their advertisements. I don't think he was necessarily a bad choice, although I don't... We're different dis- generations, so I'm... A- Presumably, he would not be famous now. I was thinking that during the break, he would not have gotten famous now. Like, I don't see what Hmm. the appeal of him is. He is such a dad. How do you know he wouldn't have gotten famous? Because he's annoying. He's just not cool. Okay, he fell out of style. There was some uh, action movie you made me watch with him in it, and I hate him more than I've ever hated anyone now. (laughs) Would that have been one of the Bourne movies? I'm guessing. Don't think so. I. It was so bad. I don't remember what it was called. I don't know either. Um, but, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, I think you're right, would have probably been a better choice if you, if they could have Or even just a hot him. girl, like any hot girl didn't have to be famous. Hmm. Well, I think it helps that he's actually into, uh, to cryptocurrency because you know that people are going to interview him about it, right? Like yeah. there are media people who are going to reach out to him and say, oh, are you into Bitcoin? And that way he can say, yeah. 
and he's actually into it instead of just being some sort of actor who's just reading lines for Mila paycheck. Kunis is into Bitcoin. Michelle Fawn That's is true. into Bitcoin. Yeah, M- Mila Kunis would be a fine choice for for an alternative. Uh, but anyway, people are upset about this particular commercial because, well, it's getting views. People and they don't have Bitcoin, and they, so that makes them angry, <laughs> right? And they feel like they're su- they want to feel like they're superior though at the same time. So they laugh, they make fun, uh, they you know insult. And they call it a Ponzi scheme. One of them did. One of the critics on Twitter. And here's- See, I will almost give them that, except Bitcoin isn't just a Ponzi scheme. Well, I- this one says it's worse than I a Ponzi scheme. I need somebody to explain to me what is a Ponzi scheme. I know what a pyramid scheme is, but I don't know what a Ponzi scheme is. It's not the same, right? I think it's the same. They're very similar. Uh, Charles Ponzi was the creator of the Ponzi scheme back in the early 20th century. I I don't know if it was New York or where it was. Somewhere in the United States, I think. And he offered people a return if they would give him their money to invest, supposedly. And the returns were very, very good. Like, better than you'd get by just putting money into a bank account or something like that. That is one of the differences is that we're not promising anyone a return. And we always point out that, you know, Bitcoin's value could plummet tomorrow. Yes, that is a key difference for sure. Um, And also the Ponzi scheme was centrally managed. Charles Ponzi was the man in charge of the Ponzi scheme. I don't know that no one being officially in charge really makes that big of a difference. It's, It's just a decentralized Ponzi scheme, I guess. But there's still sort of a hierarchy of people who have more Bitcoin than others. The more people mm-hmm. they get into Bitcoin, the more money the people who have more Bitcoin end up making as a result of that. Because that drives up the demand for Bitcoin, and with this limited supply, that's going to increase the value of it. Yes, in theory. Um, but in the Ponzi scheme, just to answer Bonnie's question before we look at the, the state, this uh, statement that Bitcoin is somehow worse than a Ponzi scheme... Uh, so Charles Ponzi offered a, a very nice return. I don't know offhand what it was, but it was, you know, attractive. Um, better than most investments. Right? Probably so, doubling your money or something, something like, like that. that. Uh, oh, come on in. We'll give you 30% on your dollar after this amount of time. And you got to think, if someone could take $100 and turn it into $200, why do they need money from you? From you? I mean, they, they should yeah. have plenty of money to play with at that point. Like, why would they want to share those profits if they could do that? I'd rather just be able to figure out how they did that and do it myself. And if you can't figure it out, it's probably not real. Well, in theory, the idea, to, the, their answer to your question, Aria, would be, well, I have an investment. And the more money I can bring in, the more I can make. So I don't have enough. I need, you know, I've got, I've got the money that I've made on the investment. But if I can get other people in, I can make more off of that. And you can make some, too. And look at all these people I have here who've made this money. See, here's all these people over here who will say they made all this money investing into my Ponzi scheme. So he had, you know, after a while, he, att- he attracted people in. And what, what ends up happening is the more people that they can continue to attract in, they basically pay out to the previous investors in the newbies money. So there was no real investment. It was just a money-moving scheme. So every new sucker that came into the scheme paid off the previous suckers that came in. So the initial suckers did all right. So I guess that is a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it was one of the probably the earlier pyramid schemes, maybe even the first one. So it has a name. And I mean, it's not a pyramid scheme in that there's not like a specific level like you would see in, say, network marketing where 
oh, if you get in at this level, then every you know two levels beneath you get paid X, Y, plus Z or whatever. So there was nothing like that. It was just you invest in this thing, and then after a certain amount of time, you get paid back. You get more than what you put into it. If, and, if you recruit other suckers from whom they can take their money to give to you. I don't know if that was a requirement. Now, that's an okay. interesting question. I think that deserves a little bit more research as to whether or not you had to recruit. I don't think you did. You probably got some sort of a bonus if you did recruit some other, some other suckers. Uh, but ultimately, they were paying out as they promised, right? As long as they could get new suckers into it, they could make the payments that they promised to make. And yeah. so the earlier suckers had good experiences like hey, it's charles ponzi he does what he says he's gonna do i put in a hundred bucks i got 130 bucks after x amount of days or whatever right so i put 130 back in right and so you know the first people in might have also been the second and the third people after they got paid out so anyway um am i explaining this yeah, at all to where I, getting... I know exactly what a pyramid yeah. scheme is i just don't get why they have two different names it's very different from bitcoin and that you know we're not doing that we're not taking money from people and then giving it out to earlier investors or anything like that because there's no one to do that with bitcoin so in that sense yes it's obviously not a ponzi scheme well another thing is if you give your money to charles ponzi you don't have a thing that is like bitcoin that and that's how um the mlms uh get a get um away with basically having pyramid schemes in a way because um they skirt around the definition of a pyramid scheme by having a product if they didn't have any right. product then they would be illegal that's um, true but Some i'm of not them saying do that anyway but i'm not saying that that makes uh bitcoin bad because it's something that's ex- way more valuable than your money i'd way rather have cryptocurrency than have a dollar but i wouldn't rather have a crappy but that's only true because we've got enough suckers already who have bought bitcoin that it has value because of their demand for it no because it also has value for its use case like you could say the same thing about um what is it like it works that's the mlm that i got into i got suckered into when i was like 20 Mm -hmm. um i would rather have dollars than have their products but I would rather have a Bitcoin than have dollars dollars because of its actual, like the qualities a Bitcoin has, not because of uh, yeah. the fact that it, it will go up in, in that's value. A, that's an important thing and a, and a key difference between the Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme is you, you actually, or specifically the Ponzi scheme, because with a Ponzi scheme, you just had a promise to pay. You had a promise from the organizer that he was going to pay you based on the you know what you put into the program. Whereas with Bitcoin, there, like you said, Ari, there's no, pro- there's no promises. Yep. There's no guarantees. There's risk involved in Bitcoin. And well, it's an attempt to smash the state. Well, that is true. But most people who get into Bitcoin don't understand that, and that's not relevant to them. It's kind of but, bad that most people get into it just for the numbers to go up anyways. If that's not what people are getting into it for, that's kind of bad. I see where you're coming from on that, uh, Bonnie, but that's just a reality. That's the way most people are going to get into cryptocurrency because they see it as a way to uh, to make to make money. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160, but there are no guarantees. And you're right. If it weren't useful then it wouldn't be going up in value. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. Number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. What is a Ponzi scheme and is Bitcoin worse? That is according to Robert McCauley, who 
He's a teacher. He's a professor at Oxford University. He says it's worse. So we're going to get into what he has to claim here uh, in just a moment on the 13th birthday of Bitcoin. So happy birthday, Bitcoin, as we uh, continue here. And, of course, you're also welcome to bring up anything that you want. Oh, and speaking of coins, there are many other alternatives out there. Intercoin is one of them. And Intercoin has been uh, having us explain to you that uh, they can help any business or organization launch their own currency or raise money using a token. And now Intercoin has launched their investor token worldwide, and you can get it on a centralized exchange, xmarkets.com, exmarkets.com. You can sign up with just an email address and keep your privacy intact, and then you can deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, trade those for Tether, and use the Tether to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin investor token. You can learn more about the Intercoin vision at intercoin.org, and you can buy or sell ITR on xmarkets.com, exmarkets.com. Dot com. You just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. And so let's jump into the claim, shall we? We've just sort of generally been talking about what a Ponzi scheme is. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme, but it's not exactly like a pyramid scheme in that there are, as I understand the Ponzi scheme, there aren't specified levels. There wasn't a recruiting requirement. Uh, you know, you didn't get paid a commission, at least as I understand it. I'm, I'm by no means a scholar on Ponzi schemes. So pyramid schemes are sort of a more, I would say, modern version of a Ponzi scheme. They they put a little more thought into it. Uh, they've been uh, they've been refining it for decades, basically. But Robert Macaulay, the associate member of the Faculty of History at the University of Oxford, see, has- this is why he hates Bitcoin. <laughs> This Macaulay? is why, yeah. This is why he hates Bitcoin and free markets and cryptocurrency and all that because he's a commie. Yeah, well, because he, he's a professor of history. Mm-hmm. They threaten and, him. And society, by large, the market has no need for someone whose specialty <laughs> is history. No one needs That's that true. crap. You're not going to have a job if you don't work for a university. Have you ever hired a historian to help you with something? Nope. There would still be museums and stuff like that, but the vast majority of these economics and History professors, out of work. they just wouldn't exist. That yeah. They exist to uphold the state. Only the people who were the very best at being history teachers would get the jobs that were actually necessary, like maybe somebody in a museum or something or like history that. history channel or something. Yeah, history Make channel. A TV show. But the average just probably nowadays get jobs at colleges. Well, he says that despite Bitcoin being touted as the biggest performing asset of 2021 and the last decade... The number one ranked cryptocurrency is, quote, worse, unquote, than the infamous Ponzi scheme. In an opinion article published by Financial Times, Macaulay noted that comparing Bitcoin to a Ponzi scheme is an understatement because both do not have the same end game and constitute a deeply negative sum. The scholar suggested that investors who opt to purchase Bitcoin are not guided by the goal of generating an income, but it is a zero coupon for long-term returns as it promises nothing. Well, what? As we pointed out, it is true. Bitcoin does not promise you a return. And yeah. so he's saying that somehow makes it worse than a Ponzi scheme that it it's makes it honest number 1, right? The Bit- long-term return in theory is the destruction of the financial system that is being used to turn people into debt slaves. Sure, that's, that's what, the long term. That's what libertarians see as far as the value in Bitcoin. I mean, it doesn't matter if the average Bitcoin investor sees that or not. If Bitcoin is successful in 
you know, being adopted by the masses, it's it's designed to do that. It will do that, whether mm-hmm. the average person supports it for that reason or not. It and will destroy the financial system. That's why it's just so uh, silly that most people see it as just dollar go up, hodl, so your dollar or number go up, um, because really it should just be a replacement for the dollar system or the system that we use the dollar in. But it is a replacement for the dollar system. Yeah, that, that's what it should, should be, but people don't way. see oh. it that way. And um, basically, like, if you if all your dollars got turned into Bitcoin and they went down in value, but then the dollar system went away, it'd still be a net positive to me. I mm. think if the if the average person thought that Bitcoin was designed and meant to be a way of destroying the usd they would avoid bitcoin like the plague and they would just because they love dollars well they're terrified of change more than anything too there's that according the idea of the usd being destroyed and replaced by this thing that the government can't control that would that would push the average person away i think i think you're right about that Uh, according to macaulay bitcoin has no fundamentals for investors to make money unless they sell their holdings to another person and this does come to an important question is would bitcoin be able to go up in value if other people didn't get into it i mean you had suggested that that was a requirement aria earlier i've heard that a requirement it is. in what way for it to go up in value for it to i mean it's a requirement for what for other people to get into it meaning more and more people have to keep getting in in order for bitcoin to go up in value is that true i don't think that's necessarily true because it does have a limited supply but if demand for it does go down then it does go down in value but it doesn't require more people to create more demand just more, more demand usage yeah, yeah more abilities to to do something with it that's a good point and the other thing is if all the bitcoins were mined and all of them were owned by somebody there would still be a demand for buying and selling it right so it wouldn't really matter if you were the last person to buy a bitcoin it doesn't end like if you were the last person to buy a tulip it ends that's a good point yes it is a currency not so much a well at least it's a new form of currency uh not not so much a product in that from that particular viewpoint According to Macaulay, Bitcoin, again, has no fundamentals. Now, of course, you, when you look at whether or not Bitcoin's a currency, it actually doesn't meet the uh, the definition. Yeah, so I, I was that. going to chime in with that. I mean, it's useless as a currency, but... Well, I mean, it, it can be used to pay for things. So from that perspective... So can stocks in Exxon if you can find someone to accept them. But no true. one's going to make the argument that stocks in Exxon are a currency. Yeah, that's that's true, and and I don't have the uh, the definition of a currency in front of me, but generally you want fungibility in your currency, and each Bitcoin is identifiable, so it's not it's not fungible. Um, you also want to be able to split the thing up fairly easily. Bitcoin you can do that with, so it does meet that. Yeah. Uh, it does meet that requirement. Well, does it? Yeah, you can split down a Bitcoin uh, down to eight decimal. I points. mean, in, in theory, but you're going to pay a lot of money to to send that you know one satoshi of a bitcoin so is this article only talking about bitcoin not specifically other bitcoin so far yeah in this um, in this story guess that sometimes i even hear bitcoin and think crypto well we're only going to hear discussion about other cryptocurrencies from other cryptocurrency enthusiasts the mainstream mm-hmm. media and token has yeah, like doesn't him. exist to, yeah. to those people uh but the other because it you, answers a lot of their problems the other point you touch on aria is that it is not cheap to transact and that's another thing that you want your currency to have you want it yeah. to be a low friction right you don't want to have to think about whether or not it's going to cost you something to spend you just want to pull out the cash from your pocket and spend it 
Uh, and in the point of Bitcoin, you might you should pay attention to the fees because they're going to hit you with some fees uh, in order to spend it. There's more coming up here at 603-283-6160. But is it in any way like a Ponzi scheme? So far, this guy isn't making a very good argument, but he's got more to say. And you can share your thoughts with us. This is Free Talk Live. Is Bitcoin worse than a Ponzi scheme? That is according to a University of Oxford professor, Robert McCauley, in an article he wrote for the Financial Times. We'll explain a little bit more about his opinion, and your thoughts are certainly welcome. The number is 603-283-6160. And Bonnie, you had an apology to make to Matt Damon? Yes, I'd like to publicly apologize to Matt Damon because... I mixed him up with Mark Wahlberg, so all of my opinions about how lame he was were solely based on Mark Wahlberg, so I apologize, Matt Damon. <laughs> I don't know who Mark Wahlberg even is. Marky I mean, Mark? What was he in? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? He was in Ted. Okay. I have seen Ted once. <laughs> He's been in a bunch of action, like relatively not so memorable action movies, but you don't remember Marky Mark from like the, the early 90s? No. Good Vibrations, not the Beach Boys track, but like the early 90s tune. Okay, all right. He was a rapper, and I think he was, wasn't he? Mark in? Wahlberg was a rapper? Yeah, yeah, He that's how he got his career started. And then at some point- somebody, He called himself Marky Mark? Yeah, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Only in the 90s, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then at some point, somebody decided to cast him in a movie, and he started a movie career after that. And apparently Bonnie can't stand him. Yeah, I thought he was Matt Damon. They look similar, but Matt Damon was in The Martian, which I liked. See, right. I didn't know until recently, speaking of actors and singers, that Jared Leto is actually the singer from 30 Seconds to Mars. And he started acting in order to fund that band. I didn't know anything about that band. Yeah. Never heard They're of not it. very good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, his, his movies are better okay. than his music, but... Uh, so we were just talking about Bitcoin as as currency, and does it meet the definition of currency? I mean, in some ways it does, but in other ways it it doesn't. Uh, it certainly is not stable, right? Like generally, you want yeah. a currency to be reliable, store of value. You want it to be stable, and Bitcoin can go up in one instant and down in the next, as far as its value is concerned. So that's generally not something that people would consider to be uh, a currency from that aspect. But that's not what what Macaulay is focusing on here. He's saying Bitcoin is worse than a Ponzi scheme because it has no fundamentals for investors to make money unless they sell their holdings to another person. And this isn't that more or less how a Ponzi scheme works, though? Is that it didn't have any way of people making money except taking money from people and giving it to other people, and that's not what Bitcoin is doing. Yeah. worse to me so it's than worse, selling it. Yeah, it's worse than a a Ponzi scheme because it's not a Ponzi scheme. He seems to be making that argument. Uh, there was no other way to make money in the Ponzi scheme unless other people came in and bought. I think that right. the comparison is, and I think you took this down in the last segment. This this misconception that is widely misconceived that more people need to get into Bitcoin in order for the value of it to go up. No, and, we could easily. 
or you could have more Bitcoin sent to sinkhole wallets that、mm-hmm. will never be recovered. That decreases the supply of Bitcoin, which increases the value of Bitcoin. And that happens all the time. People forget their keys and they forget their passwords all the time. I've, I've given out Bitcoin wallets to people. I've sent them crypto for free, just as a, you know, we, we did giveaways here for years in Keen prior to the raid、uh, earlier this year. And I, I must have set four or 500 people up with、uh, cryptocurrency wallets in just this county and sent them free crypto. And it's not uncommon for them to email me later on and say, hey,、um, I. Broke my phone, and I'm wondering how I can get back into my crypto wallet. And I'll say, Did you write down the backup phrase? And obviously, when you step through this process, you told them every single time,、yeah, Hey,、yeah. make sure you write this down. Yep. And yep. they never do. And they don't. <laughs> or they might lose it. You know, they might lose the information、True. or forget where they put it or something like that. And so there is a lot of Bitcoin that has been lost already, and that then more will likely be lost in the future. And then, as you pointed out, as more companies start to accept Bitcoin, Uh, yeah. For payments, for instance, as it becomes more useful in other technologies. Well, a company、reason. being willing to accept it for, as payment is increasing the demand of Bitcoin. They want that Bitcoin. Yes. Enough that they will take it from you. That doesn't require more people getting into Bitcoin.、Right. But how would the market know? Because the market knows how much it's worth based on how much people are willing to buy and sell it for. Well, how much people are willing to sell it for. So,、mm-hmm. how would the market know if it wasn't that it was getting bought and sold? Well, no, I'm not saying it wouldn't be bought and sold. The question was do we need to always have more people coming、New、in、people. in order for it to be worth more and more and more? And、oh, okay. the argument Arya made, and it was an interesting one I'd not heard before, is that no, you technically don't. You just need to increase the demand. And you getting can increase- new people in is just one way of doing that. Right. Right. You can increase demand within the existing ecosystem.、Mm. Within the people who already have it. Like if you can get the people who have crypto to actually spend it. Because there's a lot of people that are holding it, right? Like, the reason why crypto is valuable in my book is because it's useful, is because you can do something with it. It's not like a Ponzi scheme where you just have a receipt for money that you gave to a guy who said he was going to give you some more money back.、Uh, cryptocurrency does what it says it's going to do. When, you, when Bitcoin promises that if you send Bitcoin from your wallet to somebody else's wallet, that it is going to arrive and it、yeah. will arrive there within. Roughly 10 minutes as far as its first confirmation time is concerned. Sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less.、Uh, but it's going to be there. And、uh, there's no one who can stand in the way of it. There's no banker who can say, Whoa! The IRS <laughs> came in here and said, We can't let you do that. Or, We need to know where you got these funds. Right. And why you're sending them to this person. And who is this person, by the way? Yeah. And they won't say, Oh, I'm sorry. You missed the wiring cutoff time for today. And so it's going to be Monday morning before that wire goes out.、Uh, you know, all these stupid bankers. And you said they're going, But I just paid you for a same day wire transfer.、Right. Well, sorry. That meant tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, so, th- you know, none of those things happen with Bitcoin. Bitcoin does what it says it's going to do. And another hole, I think, in his theory that Bitcoin is worse than Ponzi scheme is that he's only focusing on Bitcoin, even though Bitcoin can easily be traded within other cryptos. The, the other crypto could go up in, in price, and all you did was buy Bitcoin with the dollar, as far as dollars are concerned. Stablecoins, he says, may somehow trigger Bitcoin's collapse. 
And this one I've never heard before, so I'm very interested to see what I he think means. in the long run, stable coins are destined to fail because most of them, any of the ones that are tied to fiat currencies, at least, are destined to fail. As those fiat currencies go down in value, yeah. you know I mean? But how could they make Bitcoin fail? That doesn't make sense. He cited the crash of stable coins pegged on the dollar as a critical weak point for Bitcoin. What is that? He, the, what does he, that I think have to he do does with Bitcoin? Think, I'm, now I'm starting to think he thinks Bitcoin is crypto. He opines that the collapse of stablecoins with a significant market size could easily disrupt the entire crypto ecosystem. Quote, these unregulated money market funds that have been sold as dollar stand-ins with safe assets that match their outstanding liabilities. Given the lack of regulation and disclosure, it's not hard to imagine a big stablecoin breaking the buck, he said. Uh, by the breaking buck, the dollar? Does he mean? I'm not mm-hmm. sure what he means by breaking the buck. I don't know what that. That means. would certainly. I mean, a collapse of something like Binance Coin or U.S. Mm-hmm. Dollar Tether. They're like, oh, look! It turns out we didn't actually have any USD or whatever. Sure, that would undermine trust in Bitcoin to some extent. That would drive down the value of Bitcoin to some extent. But to act like it would just be devastating for Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency that isn't the currency that was a scam is silly. And to act like there wouldn't immediately be people filling in to replace Tether is ridiculous. Well, he's addressing at least one legitimate concern, and that is that some of these stablecoin issuers do not have necessarily or cannot prove that they have the assets to back up their what they're issuing. So if Tether just the Tether for listeners that don't know, Tether is the biggest what they call stablecoin. It's uh, the equivalent of a dollar value for each one of these uh, these digital tokens. And Tether claims that they have in a vault somewhere a bunch of dollars and some treasury notes and some, you know, whatever other things that are supposedly worth. Why should why should Tether have to have that? Banks don't have to have the money they say they have. So why should Tether? That's a great question, Arya. It uh, also doesn't have anything to do with his claim. He's not saying just that and that's that alone. He's saying that no, that somehow can bring down Bitcoin. No, that's only that's what I'm saying. He only has really one good point here, and that is that there are some concerns about some of the stable coins and whether or not they're actually backed. A new one will just jump right in when Tether goes down, if it does. But will that somehow harm Bitcoin? I don't think so. It will disrupt some trading because a lot of these uh, exchanges are using Tether, for instance. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The number to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I actually pulled up the full article by this scholar who is attacking bitcoin saying it's worse than a ponzi scheme he actually does do a quick rundown of the original charles ponzi scheme he says that in 1920 ponzi promised 50 percent on a 45 day investment so that was what the original deal was with uh, with ponzi and he did manage to I pay definitely this. heard worse pitches i mean more insane levels of investment. Like just recently, like a week ago, while I was here doing the show, someone messaged me, hey, <laughs> if you invest $1,000, I'll turn it into 2000 okay. No, <laughs> this is obviously a scam. Why are you messaging me this crap? Because it works. Yeah. You know, they if just they, send it out enough times yeah, per day. If they message 1,000 people, maybe one of them will do it. And if they're living in, uh, you know, some crappy country somewhere where the rent is, uh, you know, a hundred bucks a month, if they can scam one person out of a thousand dollars, then they've paid their rent for almost an entire year. 
at that point. So I would totally be a scammer if I lived in a third world country. Would you really? Yeah. Well, that's sad. Uh, <laughs> I would hope that you'd get some honest work. but uh, It'd be too hard because of the government, so it wouldn't be my fault. It'd have to be a scammer. Well, you, you can't blame them for it, I guess, because there are so many suckers out there that'll fall for some of the most ridiculous uh, scams out there. The number is 603-283-6160 is uh, the number here. But we're reading just basically a summary of his article from finbold.com. Robert McCauley saying that Bitcoin is worse than a Ponzi scheme. He says that stablecoins are somehow going to crash Bitcoin when he predicts the failure of stablecoins happens. Now, we know the dollar is failing because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to go down in value over time and essentially transfer value from the poor saps that hold the dollar into the pockets of the politically connected, you know, military industrial or pharmaceutical industrial complex who are getting the printed money from the federal government. But that's not what he means when he says the failure of stablecoins. No, he means people trying to cash out their stablecoins for actual USD and finding out that like Tether or whoever doesn't. But, you know, my issue with this, and I alluded to it during the last segment, is that the U.S. government, which presumably would be the one saying, yes, Tether actually has all of this. They allow the banking system within the United States to not have the amount of USD they're supposed to have. This is what calls, right. this is what the movie it's a, it's a Wonderful Life that Christmas movie is all about. We've already seen runs on banks. They haven't happened in quite a while, but they can and do happen. They because, happen in other countries, and they've happened in the United States because banks don't actually have the amount of money they're supposed to have, and this is totally okay to yeah. the U.S. government. And this happening never collapsed the USD or these other unrelated currencies right well there's a lot of talk about regulation of stable coins now and but banks aren't regulated well yes they are well they're not they're not required to ensure they actually have the amount of usd they're supposed well, that's to have. why i'm saying people should be really concerned with the regulation of stable coins because that will actually maybe might make them more like banks they may actually by being willing to be regulated by the state <laughs> be given the protection to allow them to start acting in a fractional reserve manner. Because uh, they are talking I know you're about, not wrong, but man, I hope not. Whenever you start reading, start reading the articles about the potential regulation for stablecoins. And there's a lot of talk about, will the U.S. government regulate stablecoin issuers as though they are banks? And to me, that sounds like they, they want to give them a chance to join the club. Now, I know the there's banks There's currently no that. fractional reserve requirement in the United States, though. That's right. But that I know would mean that Tether wouldn't have to have any correct. USD. Now, I know the banks don't want that because they don't want to let the crypto people into the club. So it's going to be a fight. There's no, you know, for sure direction on how this is going to go. But they're definitely talking about regulating the stable coins. See, well, I trust Tether now more that they're not regulated by the government. Mm-hmm. I was going to say I have an unrelated to Tether argument against this article that I thought of. One thing that is worse about a Ponzi scheme than crypto is there isn't some fallible, fallible man in control of all the money. There's like an actual algorithm that won't just, oops, I actually just lost the money or, you know. Or he well, dies or something like that. With most crypto. I guess there are cryptos 
that end up being actual scams. But oh yeah, there are. But your point is still good because Bitcoin, while it was created by a presumably a person, he set an uh, algorithm in place. He doesn't just sit there and go, okay, now I give you this and right. I give you that. It's not being administered by that person. We don't even know where that person is if they are even still alive at this point. And the code is, of course, visible. The code is open source. Yeah, I don't know if Bitcoin. algorithm is the right word. It's a program, and that's what an algorithm is. But uh, but anyway, uh, it's open source, so anyone who wants to can look at it. Anyone who's got the programming chops can audit the code and make sure it does what it says it's going to do, which is why Bitcoin cannot be you know taken down. It can't be hacked because it's transparent. You know, there's there's no secret backdoor to Bitcoin. There's no there's no way for someone to exploit the system. If they could, they would have by now. So anyway, back to the story here. Uh, he said Bitcoin's cash flow is similar to penny stocks pump and dump schemes that he builds on the Ponzi scheme. The scholar insinuated the investors acquire Bitcoin, which he terms as worthless, and it taps into the desire for making profits. Well, it's definitely true that a lot of people get into Bitcoin in the hope that they're going to be able to sell it for more. I don't think and, that talking about pump and dump schemes, which are these penny stock things that mm-hmm. people do like with GameStop or and AMC theaters and stuff like that, right. where they convince more people to buy in and they, they sell when it's a high point and people who don't sell lose money. I don't think it's fair to compare that to Bitcoin. No, not at all. Because there isn't any sort of orchestrated, there's no Reddit thread dedicated to driving up the value of Bitcoin. Pump and dump schemes do happen mm-hmm. in cryptocurrencies. And they're always with smaller penny stocks, basically. And when yeah. they crash, they stay down. They don't, you know, Come like crypto back. can crash and then come way back Bitcoin? and or yeah well bitcoin can crash and then come back and then do even better than it did before yeah and bitcoin when it quote unquote crashes it doesn't go from sixty eight thousand dollars to a dollar hmm, yeah. it goes from sixty eight thousand to fifty five thousand and then yeah comes back but you know 57. there's plenty of people out there who bought it when it was at sixty eight thousand and now it's crashed to forty five thousand so they bought a thousand dollars worth and now that thousand dollars is what what is that like seven hundred i'm not saying it doesn't so, hurt so I'm they're panicking it doesn't go and they're down selling to... and they're like oh bitcoin's a scam i lost three hundred dollars sure, no it. doubt about it i'm not saying it doesn't hurt to you know to watch that happen but it is but, silly to sell at that point you should just hold through it that's absolutely good advice you should just hold on to it but the point I'm making is when it does go down, it's not going down to near zero. Hmm. It's going down to, you know, 20% down, 10% down. I mean, it's, it's very unusual that you'll see a 50% down on Bitcoin these days. It's just too resilient. There's yeah. there's so much demand in the marketplace. Whenever it goes down, there's a bunch of people who want to, quote unquote, buy the dip and they snatch it up. And if you were born with all... Your parents always gave you crypto and you never had a dollar in your life. Then you use that to buy some dollars. It would only go down. The dollars would go down. That's a that's a guarantee (laughs) uh, for sure. So he points out that or he believes Bitcoin will have an ongoing cycle of pumping and dumping with fear of missing out as a catalyst. Consequently, he thinks the cycle will lead Bitcoin to have a different ending, unlike the Ponzi scheme. Well, Ponzi went to prison. Uh, so I mean, he's probably right. There will always be p- people out there who sell at the high points of Bitcoin and buy at the low points of d- Bitcoin. There will always be these people out there. But whether or not that constitutes a pump and dump scheme or anything, it's, it's not. P- pump and dumps are orchestrated, and yeah. Bitcoin is too big to orchestrate. You you can't like like you said. There, you could go put a Reddit thread out there and like, all right, guys, let's buy Bitcoin, let's pump it up, <laughs> and it's not going to make a, a dent. 
No, people are already out there doing that. Yeah. This is a, hey, guys, go out there and buy Bitcoin. We yeah. spent the last three hours saying that, and it's not going to make a difference in the value of Bitcoin. The whole point of the pump and dump is to coordinate people on a relatively unknown crypto to drive the price up of that thing and then sell at the top of whatever the price drive up was. Or a stock. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a crypto. Uh, he says Bitcoin is a resource-intensive asset that differs from the Ponzi scheme. He notes that Bitcoin's power consumption is a concern. they got to bring that one up every single time. Oh, my God. Well, how is that different than the dollar? It wouldn't be a concern if we had nuclear energy, but no, people keep getting in the way of that as well. Well, it's not even a concern. There are plenty of stories that have addressed the power consumption of Bitcoin, and the reality is it's a fraction of what the banks consume. I like the so. one that shows Bitcoin mining, and it's like a bunch of windmills, and then USD mining, and it's a bunch of warships selling <laughs> off to war. Because, yeah, that's that's, that's how they mine them. USD. That, that's what backs the USD. It's violence. Yep. So, anyway, that's what this guy is all about, uh, is you know trying to convince people that this is somehow a scheme and a scam. And you know what? If that's what you believe, then stick with the dollar. Or, at the very least, get some gold or silver. At least then you're still protected in sort of the classic uh, method from manipulation of the dollar. But gold's been pathetic over the last year. Sadly, I wish I wish gold had doubled or tripled or something like that. It doesn't seem to be keeping pace with inflation, for it sure. It doesn't seem to be. And that's because they can manipulate the supply to some extent. Mm. But we're out of time for tonight. We'll see you tomorrow online. In the meantime, you can join us over at freetalklive.com and once again bitcoin's 13th birthday so happy birthday bitcoin we'll see you tomorrow